Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. And uh, it's a little silly video with a few good things for us to lean into. You know, it's dads. Uh, certainly can use all the help we can get sometimes. I think my kids sometimes are just kind of shaking their head uh, in the background at some of the silly things that I get into. And uh, I thought the little trampoline part was pretty funny, as uh, most of you know that I somehow fell off of one of those and, yeah, had some issues there. So, uh, But, you know, you learn a few things. Us dads can figure out some things sometimes. Uh, I learned something that I kind of already knew, but I learned it even in a greater way uh, this weekend on Friday, we were coming back from uh, track meet and we were out of town and we went to a restaurant. We were all going to eat together and it's a restaurant that I don't uh, go to very often. So I hadn't been in there uh, in a bit and hadn't really thought uh, too much about it. But we were at the Outback Steakhouse and I, I'll just read the text that I sent my wife that day. Um, said this. I totally am in the women's room. <laughs> Real life story. And had no idea. Wasn't paying attention. Come rescue me. Um, yeah, and I, let me tell you how I figured this out. Like, like when I went in there, and, and I guess like I'm used to the restroom here, like the men's is on the left, and, and I, I wasn't paying much attention. I just went in there. Nobody was in there. I'm, you know, in there. And then all of a sudden outside, I hear this chatter, and I know I'm not in the men's room because, because women, they go to bathrooms like in herds, right? And so there's a pack of ladies that come in there, and I recognize I'm in a, a bad spot, and they're like, oh, did you hear about Brian? And he's doing I'm thinking... And and they're just talking and talking and talking. And I'm thinking, what do I do, right? Like, how do I get out of here? And then I'm thinking, like, as the time goes on and they're still talking and talking, I'm thinking, I'm going to die in here, right? This is going to be, like, it'll be closing before they stop, right? And But I I learned those things. And men, we, we can just do that. Like, we go to the bathroom by ourselves. We can just do that. I learned some things this morning, right, up at the photo booth where I was uh, fixing to take a, a picture. I'd taken a picture of, of Brent and Sarah uh, Holbrook, their family. And they said, here, let me do that. And Brent said, here, let me have the camera. And Sarah says, you don't even want to do that. Here, let me do that. And she says, just stand just there. I'll make sure there's no noble chin. Everything will work out good. I'm like, like, they know how to do that stuff. Guys, we struggle in some of those areas, right? We never go up to our buddies. I don't know of any man that has ever went up to their buddies and said, so, notice anything different? <laughs> I mean, we just, we just don't do that. It's just not how we're wired. Now, we're, we're in a series called In the Wild, and so we're at Father's Day in the Wild, and, and we're in a, a portion of that where we're looking at how we find north in the wild. So how do, we, how do we figure out where we're at in the midst of this crazy world where it seems like all these things are coming at us? And in honor of Father's Day, I, I thought we needed a few dad jokes in the wild. So uh, in the wild, why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? Anybody know? because they're so good at it. <laughs> oh, You know, I, I read somewhere that uh, in Sweden that when it rains, you have to turn on your headlights. And I'll tell you all that's good, but I have the hardest time figuring out when it's raining in Sweden. It's just a hard thing for me. Now, 
Billy Graham, I appreciate that token laughter. I was needing that. Like, he was feeling sorry for me. Hey, you know, seriously, though, when we, we saw that lawn care thing, and really, it is a burden, that lawn care, because it's dangerous out there. You know why? There's a lot of blades. It is really. Yeah. Come on. All right, for you deer hunters, for you deer hunters, we, we try to have the noisiest gun, right, when we go hunting. It's more bang for our buck, okay? That's just how that works. <laughs> I'm glad somebody at least laugh. Thank you. Thank you for all your token laughter. It's like nervous laughter. It's like I just need <laughs> Surely he's about done, right? Those, but it's Father's Day. We get to tell terrible jokes. It's okay. I, I'm serious, though. I'm thinking about hunting. I've been looking for some, like, really good camouflage. But really good camouflage is so hard to find. It is so hard to find. All right. All right. Let's jump in here. So we find ourselves in the midst of the wild, right? In, the, in a crazy world. And in the midst of the wild, when we're in those places, the first thing they tell me we need to do is to find north. Like if we're lost and we're trying to find our way around, we've got to find north. We've got to find the direction that we are going. We've got to get our bearings together. And so we've been in this series and we've been looking at what that looks like. And the, the first week of it, we asked this question, what is the meaning of life, right? What are we here for? We were in Ecclesiastes and we, we saw how Solomon in his writings, he said, it's, it's vanity, it's vanity, it's, it's meaningless. He says, it's all these things. And we looked at, we and we said that, that apart from Christ, right, everything is meaningless, that there's all this toil from our labor, and we go tired, and we, we walk through all these things, and it feels uh, like there's no purpose, but in the midst of a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we are made on purpose for a purpose, on mission for the glory of his name, and we find great purpose, and that in Christ, everything has meaning. We, we looked, and we said last week, how in the world do we find our bearings? And we recognize, and we asked this question, can I trust the Bible? Is the Bible trustworthy? And we said that this word is God's infallible, inerrant word, and that we can trust the Bible. And through the Bible, God reveals himself to us. He reveals his redemption plan, his plan of salvation, and it is all about him. And so this Father's Day, we're going to talk all about him. And we're going to ask this question, what is God like? And we will spend some weeks in this area. But today, we want to lean in and say, you know, in the midst of this crazy world where we're going to ask questions like, like why is it that in the midst of, of this world, if we have a good God, why does he allow evil? Why, why are those things happening around? Why is it that this happened in my life or this happened in my life. We're going to look at those questions. But before we do, we've got to get our bearings in the midst of this world. And we've got to say, what is God like? We've heard uh, kids say, God is great. God is good. And, and those things are true. And we see those things come together. And we say, what is it that, that God uh, reveals? And how does he reveal himself? And today we're going to look at this reality that he is our perfect heavenly father. And he is Worthy. Psalm 34 says, oh, magnify the Lord together with me. Let's exalt his name together. And that's what we want to do. We want to lift high our great and our mighty God. A.W. Tozer, in maybe my favorite Tozer quote, he says that, that it, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It is the most important thing uh, in our lives. And so how do we answer that question? How do we answer that question, what is God like. And what we see in this world is people try to come up with their own opinions. They try to come up with their own uh, realities. They try to come up with their own 
uh, story and they say, well, this is what I think he's like. This is what I feel like he's like. I need a volunteer. Er Ernie Pate, could I borrow you? Come up here just a second. We're, we're going to use Ernie as, as an example. And there's a few ways that we learn uh, about something. There's a few ways that we learn uh, about God. And, and as we think about how we learn about God, we know that, that God, there's a few things we see in Scripture, that there's this general revelation of God, that we learn about God, and that, that creation declares the glory of God. And that as we look at his handiwork, as we look at his majesty, as we look uh, at this world, that God has created, the, the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that are in them. We see the greatness and the, and the glory right of our God declared in those things. And we see that general revelation. We looked in Ecclesiastes and we said that God has set eternity in our hearts and that we have this reality and this, this, this desire within us and this knowledge just within us that there is a God. But then there's this particular revelation, this personal revelation that God reveals himself to us through his word, through Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that, but we look at those things when we learn about somebody. Uh, this is Ernie Pate, by the way, and if we were to describe Ernie, right, we look at him and we make observation about him, and from that, we can describe him. Ernie, if we were to describe him, let's describe him. He's, Ernie's a guy wearing a blue shirt. He's uh, extremely athletic. He is one of the... <laughs> Did you hear Becky? Yeah, <laughs> and, and you're not... He is a great hunter. Okay, let's let's go. Now, now they're not laughing. They're, they're, they're doing those things. Okay, so he's in his 20s, right? He's a man that, right? And, and there's some things as I observe. Higher 30s? Okay. And so, the, so there's some things about him, right? How old are you, Ernie? 67. 67. And so there's some things about Ernie that unless you really know Ernie and observed his life for a long time, there's some things about Ernie that we're only going to learn if he tells us about himself. There's some specific revelations. So there's some things we can observe. And if somebody says, hey, I know Ernie Pate later, and you say, hey, I know that guy. Uh, he's a 120-pound gymnast. And you go, no, that's not the Ernie Pate, right, that I'm known about. But you say, he's a great deer hunter. He's a, a great father. He's, he could list all these things, right? He's a deacon in our church. He's a person that we could list all these things about him. And either of those things would line up to what we see revealed in the Ernie that we observe, or they wouldn't. And we can measure those kind of things. And then Ernie could tell us about himself, and he could give specific details about what he is like. Thank you, Ernie. I appreciate you. And, and what we're seeing, and what we're going to see today is that God has revealed himself through his word. And we can look uh, at, at and lean into what God has said about himself through Jesus Christ and through his word. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse, verse number 1. I want to read uh, just a, a couple of verses there, three verses there, and then we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit and jump in. But scripture says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory, right? The exact representation of his nature. You want to know what our Father, our Heavenly Father is like, you can look at Jesus and he is the exact representation of his nature and he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So if we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus and we see in Jesus that God reveals that we have. He reveals to us his loving 
Father. He reveals to us that we have a loving Father. First John chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 7, says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one that does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son, right? John three sixteen into the world so that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God is love, right? We, love doesn't define God. God defines Love And it's made most visible to us in the cross of Christ, in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our place for our sin, right? We see the beauty of the gospel and it's in that while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. It is in that that God reveals his love to us. Jesus reveals also a relational father, right, that we can pray to him, that we can come to him. Uh, God who in his great love has made a way for a relationship to be restored with him, that we could approach the very throne room uh, of heaven, right? That we have access through the blood of Christ, that those who were far off, that those who were far from God because of our sin, that through a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we've been brought near and we have access to the very throne room of heaven. In Mark 14, uh, verse 36, we see Jesus uh, kneeling in the garden, right? He's crying out and he's praying and he uses these words, Abba, Father, and he uses those words. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what? you will. And when he says, Abba, Father, is this picture uh, of a small child right sitting uh, on their father's lap and crying out, Daddy, and calling and speaking in that way. And Jesus says, listen, we have a relational God, and we can approach through the blood of Christ, right, that we, Romans 8, 15, we've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Matthew 6, he says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he says, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We see this prayer as, and we think about how do we pray? We pray as a child talking to a loving father, and he desires that we would come to him, that he is never too busy, right? We see Jesus said, cast all your cares on me for he cares for you, right? He gives us this picture. And, and I think about my kids. There are times that in the midst of this world that it feels like I'm, you know, I've got so many things going on and they probably feel like, hey, in this moment, I don't know that I can approach my dad because he's doing all these things or he's working on this or he's doing this. But we have a God who, who, who desires and longs that we might come to him, that we might call him, and that's never taxed, right? That never is weak or weary, that never is too busy for his children. That is an approachable God. And we think about God as our father. And sometimes the picture that we have of our earthly dads, we look and we say, well, if God, we try to portray that. And we say, well, maybe God is like this. And the reality is that all of us earthly dads fall short. But we also have a great responsibility as earthly dads to live and walk as best as we can in relationship with the Lord that we might be conformed to his image and that we might reflect his love and that we might love in that way. Scripture says that, listen, he knows what we need, right? Before we even ask, but he longs for us to tell him. He desires that we share our needs, that we 
do those things because we have a God who is relational, right? We see again, too, that Jesus reveals to us a caring Father, right? That he cares for us. He knows our need, and we can trust him. In Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us this picture, and he says, don't worry, right? He says, because you have a heavenly Father, right, that loves you and cares about you. You know, I think about this thought, and I can remember when I was growing up, my parents and my dad specifically always would make sure that I had everything that I needed. You know, as I look back at growing up and times that I know now, you know, looking back, were very tight for them. And as I heard different things about, you know, just work changes and things that my dad would make choices to do so that my mom maybe could be home and, and raise me as a, a young child. And as those kind of things took place, you know, there was never a time in my life that I thought to myself and wondered, hey, am I going to have what I need tomorrow? Am I going to have the food that I need? Am I going to have the clothes that I need? And, and he would sacrifice of himself so that I might have not only the things that I needed, but the things that I want, right, and the things that were there. And I thought to myself, I never as a child, right, never once was I worried about whether all those things were there. I just knew that my father would provide them. I just knew that my dad would take care of those things. And in this passage. Jesus says, look at the birds. You, you worry about the things that you're going to eat. He said, look at the birds. Your father feeds them. He says, you worry about the clothing. He says, look at the lilies of the field. Your father clothes them. In, in the last part of that piece in verse 32 and 33, he says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He says, don't worry. Be about his kingdom. Proclaim his word and trust in his provision, right? We, Jesus reveals to us a father who cares. And he reveals to us a father who welcomes the prodigal home. Jesus reveals to us a restoring father. You know, Luke 15, and, and we're going to spend the rest of our time there, which is not long. But he tells us the story of the prodigal son in the main character many times that we think about in that story is the son. A lot of times we think about him being the main uh, character, but the, re the reality is that the main character in that story is the father. And we see th this, this uh, picture of grace and love. And, you know, w as we look at this word prodigal, it's a word that means reckless or, or wasteful in one definition of it. And it's this thought that, that they basically spending all you have until you have nothing left. Let's look at verse 11. He said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Now, this is a crazy thought, right? Deuteronomy 21 would say that a son that was approaching in that way would be, he would be things worthy of being stoned, that he could be executed even for those kind of things. But this is a wow moment that this father, that he would divide his wealth among them. And I see in that, that God loves us even when we are rejecting him, even when we are turning our back on him, even when we are saying, and for what this son would have done, it was the equivalent of saying, I could care less about you. The only thing that means anything to me is the inheritance. The only thing that I want is that. And I desire no relationship. Verse 13, he says, in not many days, 
days later, the young son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country and he began to be impoverished. Notice this story. It's interesting. He goes, and I imagine in the first part of this story that he was having all kinds of fun. I imagine he had all the friends. I imagine as he was squandering uh, all this wealth, as he was doing all these things, as he was living in sin, that he was having all kinds of fun. And sometimes we don't want uh, to recognize that, but in the midst of the moment, many times sin is fun, but it doesn't last long. And at the end of that, there is consequences. And there, we see in this passage that he had spent everything. And in those moments, you know, we read this story, and we're going to see in a few minutes that this son, that Scripture is going to record that he came to his senses. And it's this picture of repentance. It's this picture uh, of coming to his senses. And and, and you're going to see him turn home. You're going to see that moment. But I want you to notice that in the midst of all his circumstances, he squandered everything away. And there's a God who is pursuing you. There's a God who is working in this story. And the circumstances that are taking place, there's a famine that comes in a land. All of these things are working together. And there's a God who is drawing and working and spearing. We see this, this heart of our Father. And he says everything he says, he began to be impoverished, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him, right? It started out good, but all of a sudden, he ended up feeding pigs. It's as bad as, as you could get. This is the worst description, uh, uh, unclean animals, and he would have never thought that he would get this low, right? We've heard the saying, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. This is the kind of moment that this son is in. But the truth of the story is that even in the midst of this, while he is in his mess and while he is squandering everything and while he is wasteful, while he has turned his back on the father, while he is in all those things, we see the father loves him even in his mess, right? That he is waiting, that he is watching, and he is longing for the son to come home. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he gets in his mind. He says, I'm going to confess. I, I recognize that I've blown this thing, that I should admit it. And here Jesus pictures this broken, repentant son, right? And he, he, he is picturing this broken and repentant one who comes to a father. Who, and he knows that he's a loving father. He knows that he is a father who cares. He knows that he is a father that he can trust, that he is in that place and what he hopes to receive is mercy and grace. He hopes that somehow his father would allow him to come back in even as a slave and he prepares this apology letter. He prepares everything that he is going to say and he heads home and what does he find? What he finds is a father who loves him, a father who had been waiting, a father who was ready to welcome him home. Scripture says in verse 20 that he got up and came to his father but while he was still a long way off that his father saw him, that he felt compassion for him, that he ran to him and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, get the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf. Kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again, and he was lost and now has been found. And what we see is a father who loves with grace that is beyond measure. A father whose love, right, is, is seen in an incredible way. Prodigal, it means the ne in the negative sense, in the first definition, if you look it up, it gives this picture of, of, 
of wastefully squandering everything, but it also means having something or giving something on a lavish scale. And this story could also be the story of the prodigal father, the father whose love and grace is bigger than anything we could ever imagine. A father whose love and grace and mercy would cause us to be in awe of that grace, in awe of that love, in awe of everything that he has given us. We know in this story, there's another son. There's a son that was there working. There was a son that was in the midst of those moments. And when he finds all the partying going on, all the excitement that's going on, we find him angry and we find him apart. And what we find is that we can even be in the midst of uh, the father's house. We can even be in the midst of those kind of places. And we can be working and we can be doing and we can miss the heart of the father, right? That we would go out. I I believe if he had understood the heart of the father, he'd been out looking for that lost son. That he'd been like Maitland going and declaring the good news of who he is. But there's a third son in the story. And that third son is Jesus, and he's telling the story, and it is in him. It is through Jesus Christ that the Father runs to us, that the Father loves us, that the Father embraces us, that the Father uh, gives us restoration. It is in Jesus Christ that God ran to us in our time of need. It is through Jesus Christ that the love of the Father was extended to us. It is through Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ and the atoning sacrifice of Jesus that we see God's love and we see him clothe us with a robe of his righteousness when we trust and believe in him. Second Corinthians 5 said, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the Father's love. And we must be a people who love like that, who are people who are longing, right? The scripture says in verse 10 of that chapter that there is rejoicing in the presence of, of God's angels over one sinner who comes to repentance that, that it should be our heart that we might be declaring the good news of who he is and that we might be people that would turn and come to our senses wherever we are at and that we might run to him, right? But what we'll find is that there's a God who runs to us, the only one in this story, right? It would be crazy and and, and radically just one of those wow moments again to see the father run to his son, to become undignified in those moments and to do those kind of things. And the only one that experiences shame, the only one that we see in that, that, that could have been looked at in that way was the father in this story. The son is re- ran to and he's met with and the apologies interrupted. And he says, welcome home. He looked at his heart. He knew where he was at. And he restored him into fellowship with the father. And I want to invite you in this moment, I want to invite you just to, to bow your head and close your eyes. The band's going to come. We're going to worship in closing uh, together. Uh, I heard a story of a father and his son, and they were uh, kind of going along the trail, and it was out in the wild. It was a little bit crazy, and all of a sudden, they came to a crossroads, and it was treacherous territory, and uh, the story goes that the father was kind of looking and trying to figure out which way he should go, and he heard the little boy behind him, and he said, choose the right path, Dad because I'm going to be right behind you. And I want to start with the men today and just invite you. I don't know. We all fall short. We, none of us are walking in, in the way that we could be in imperfect fellowship, but I'm reminded that we have a God who restores, and I want to invite you to choose the right path. God may have been working in all kinds of circumstances in our life, all kinds of circumstances around us to draw him, to draw us to himself. And there are times that we have to hit uh, the bottom. There are times that we get in different places and different spots, but God is using all those things in our lives. And, and 
And no matter where you're at this morning, God is looking and longing for sinners to come home. For those, if you've never trusted Jesus for salvation, this morning, I believe God in the power of his spirit can draw and speak to your heart and, and he invites you. You may be thinking, you know what? I've gone too far. I've squandered everything. I've, I've lost so much of my life. I've done all these things. And what we see in this story is that you are never too far from the Father's touch. And he invites you to come home. You don't have to prepare a long apology. God knows your heart. We see there's power in just this recognition, just this coming to our senses, confessing our sin. And what we'll find when we do that and when we approach the Father in repentance, we'll find his grace and his mercy lavished on us because that's the heart of our Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, for these moments that we are in right now. And God, as we worship you, Lord, I pray, God, if there's anyone with need, Lord, that they might come knowing, Lord, that you care, Father, knowing that they can cast those cares on you, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, for anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, that has never surrendered their life to you, Lord. I pray this morning, God, that they would see your great love, Lord, displayed through the cross of Christ, Lord, and they would come to their senses, Lord, because of, or just this recognition, Lord, that, that they are far away. But, Lord, that through the cross, you've made a way for them to be near, to be close to you, to be restored in relationship. And, Lord, it's by faith just believing in the finished work of the cross. Lord, turning from our sin and surrendering to you, Lord, that we are restored in relationship. So, Lord, if there's any that don't know you, God, I pray that this morning, God, that they would call on your name, Lord, and that you would save them, Lord, that you would change them, Lord, and that you would restore them, Lord, and use them in your kingdom. God, we are thankful for your grace, Lord. Your grace amazes us, Lord. We should see these things that should cause us to live in awe, Lord, that you would save us and that you would love us and that you would use us in your kingdom. Father, we pray, God, for your will and way in every life, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and worship?